Hey, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Josh Carson once again with UPCI Youth Ministries. It is that time. It is the monthly youth ministry training conference call. And I want to let you know that we apologize for being one week behind this month. But the reason is our dear brother, Tenny, previous national youth president, passed away and his homegoing service was last Tuesday evening. And so in honor to him, his legacy and the family, we decided it to be right that we would just postpone one week. And so thank you for your understanding and thank you for joining us here tonight. This call is number 23, and we are thankful for its uh, opportunity to be underwritten by She's for Christ, and we are thankful for the incredible youth pastors and youth workers that sign in on a monthly basis and not only either hear this live or download the podcast, but also reach out with your great feedback. We're thankful to be involved in youth ministry. What an honor it truly is for all of us to be used by God for his kingdom at such a time as this. We would not have this resource if it were not for She's for Christ. So thank you for your sacrificial giving, helping us to advance the kingdom of God, advance ministry and mission as we strive to educate and engage apostolic young people on who they are and engage them into that mission. Would you take a moment with me and pray before I announce tonight's speaker? We want God's work to be done through our call. We want his will to be accomplished through the words that are spoken and that his word would be as a seed that finds lodging in our heart and mind. Would you bow your head wherever you are and pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the great opportunity to be involved in youth ministry in any capacity. You're a God of mercy and grace, and we pray right now in this moment that as our speaker would engage us tonight, that our hearts and our minds would be open, that we would be ready to receive the word of the Lord, that it would affect us for more than the moment, but for the long term. Let it be uh, things that we can apply that can continue to not only grow in us, but things that can be a blessing to others. I pray it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and we speak blessing upon every youth worker that's listening in. Amen. Well, we are delighted tonight to have Caleb Douglas with us on this call. He is the husband of Brittany and has a, a little one there by the name of Waylon. We are excited about the work that they do at the Temple of Pentecost with youth ministry. And, and as we were talking this last week and prepping. He was getting ready for some projects that he was doing there in work. He works in the construction industry, and, and so he's extremely busy. But Caleb, we are so thankful that you've been willing to take the time to speak with us about some important transitional areas in youth ministry. Youth ministry is, uh, as we like to say, the greatest place you can ever serve. But we appreciate someone from your perspective and your abilities coming on and delivering uh, from your heartbeat something that we know is going to reach so many people that live listen in and that are a part of our uh, our youth ministry training call. So without further ado, we appreciate you so very much, Brother Caleb, and what you're doing for the kingdom of God. We want you to take your liberty. Just, just take it away and share with the people this evening. Thank you so much. I give honor tonight to the youth team, uh, to Brother Carson, to Brother Ranking, to Brother Thomas. I appreciate your vision and your passion for the youth of our organization, uh, special Thank you to my good friend, Matt Woodward, and to everyone who makes these wonderful 
training calls happen as this has been a wonderful resource for me. I give honor tonight <clears throat> tonight to my wife, Brittany. I am thankful for all that she does for me and for the youth of our church. And uh, finally, and most important, I give honor to my pastor, Pastor Brian Ballestero, to his family. I am indebted to them and so very thankful for their love and support. Tonight, I will be addressing the subject on being a leader without an official position. And being in a support role offers incredible opportunity for growth. But anytime there's opportunity for growth, there's opportunity to grow frustrated. And we cannot allow ourselves to get so distracted by our long-term ministerial goals that we fail to fully mature and serve wholeheartedly in the positions that we currently hold. A little background on myself. My wife and I served for about two years in a support role before moving into the office of youth pastor last November. And we had the privilege of serving under Brother Jeremy Moore, who has now moved into the role of administrative pastor here in Raleigh. And Brother Moore served as youth pastor at the Temple of Pentecost for about 15 years, along with serving as the North Carolina youth president for several of uh, several of those years. I'm especially thankful for the personal time that we were able to spend with him and his wife and his expertise in youth ministry has been a resource that I continuously draw from. Uh, my goal tonight is to reach two categories of leaders. The first, uh, support role leaders who are currently committed to serving on a youth team without an official position or title. If this is you, my hope is to provide some insight on how to lead when you're not in charge and how to better support the leadership that you are serving under. And the second is to the youth pastor, pastors listening tonight. I hope to give you some insight on how to uh, become better supportive of your pastor and your leadership while also preparing yourself for future roles. And uh, tonight I'll be sharing a simple three-point outline with you on the topic of being a leader without an official position. So let's jump right in. Point number one, you grow the most when you serve the most. You grow the most when you serve the most. If you are not the leader in charge, the best way for you to grow is to serve the leader that is. If you want to lead over others, you must first serve under others. Your growth as a leader is greatly dependent upon the relationship that you build with your current leadership. Being in a support role, you should be invested in lightening the load of your leadership. Understand that you serve the best not by pointing out the problems, but by offering solutions. If there's cleaning or work that needs to be done around the church, don't sit around waiting to be asked to do it. Anticipate the need and facilitate the solution. Know the difference between serving and manipulating. True service takes place when you give of yourself without any ulterior motives. Be aware that serving with a hidden motive, for example, giving and expecting something in return, isn't actually service at all, but rather manipulation. Guard yourself from becoming an outlet for others to criticize the current leadership. You must be loyal in both public conduct and private conversation. Understand that your ministry is not in competition with anyone else's ministry. Over the two years that we spent working with the Moors, I had to learn that my anointing, my ministry, was not in competition with his anointing or his, his ministry. And by serving him, I was not diminished as a minister, but I was added to. And, you know, the irony in the story of Joseph is that he found his dreams being fulfilled when he helped interpret and bring to pass the dreams of others. As a youth leader or a youth pastor, one of the best things that you or I can do is to go to our leadership and have them to articulate their dreams and their vision to us. And you will find that as you help them to 
fulfill their dream, yours too will be fulfilled in the process. Not only will you grow as you serve those who, who lead you, but you will grow as you serve those whom you lead. Often it is time spent in acts of service, our young people remember, rather than the lessons we teach. And as the old saying goes, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. This holds true for me in that as a young boy, I can vividly remember several occasions when Brother Moore allowed me to spend personal time with him. Just an 11-year-old kid riding shotgun in his car, I remember thinking that he was the coolest guy. And little did I know that he would soon become my youth pastor. And little did he know that I would later be his successor. So quickly summarize, an official position is not a requirement for effective ministry, but service is. And you grow the most when you serve the most. Point number two, learn the power of we instead of me. Learn the power of we instead of me. You are not in this for yourself or by yourself. In the New Testament, the word saint is always found in the plural. It's to the saints at Rome. It's the saints at Colossae. And the only exception is Philippians 4.21, but even there, Paul is still addressing every saint. There is no such thing as a solitary saint. You find in the Lord's Prayer, our Father, give us, forgive us, lead us. There are no personal pronouns in the Lord's Prayer. This is about something bigger than you and I. Yes, we must follow our dreams and calling, but we must never sacrifice the goal of the church for our individual desires. Understand that we are not here to push our personal agendas onto our youth, but to adopt and to support the vision of our pastor. This is best reflected in our subject matter discussed during midweek services. For example, last year, our pastor set the theme for our church, which was greater things. Throughout the year, our midweek youth service topics consisted of uh, themes like uh, how to have a greater anointing, how to have a greater prayer life, even our biggest youth event of the year, which is our fall retreat. We shared the same theme, greater things. Everything that we do and say should support the pastor's dream and vision for the church and for the youth group. As a leader who is not in charge, the goal is to be a blessing to your leadership, not a burden on them. As the psalmist says, don't be like the horse and don't be like the mule. The horse runs ahead and needs to be held back. The mule stubbornly stays behind and he has to be prodded forward. We cannot afford to be someone that our leadership or our pastor constantly has to rein in. And on the contrary, we cannot uh, not afford to be someone who constantly has to be prodded along in order to keep up. When working on a leadership team, sometimes we have to check our personal egos at the door. Uh, you may feel as if you could better handle certain situations or you have a better idea on certain events or situations. And we have to understand this, that having an opinion that differs from your leadership is not in subordination. But going around and sharing that opinion with other people in the church and other parents, uh, you know, kids in the youth group and staff members, uh, that is. And, and always remember this. It is better to be right in relationship than it is to be right on an issue. And it is better to be right in attitude than it is to be right on an issue. Be mindful of the three enemies of unity, selfishness, pr promotion of personal agendas and the need or the desire for recognition and credit. We can't forget that sometimes we operate out of imperfect knowledge, being, being uh, leaders that, that don't you know, hold an official position or, or we're not the head leader, we're not the first chair leader. And so sometimes we operate out of imperfect knowledge, meaning there may be certain situations that are handled by our leadership that we might not completely understand due to lack of details. And forming opinions on limited understanding will affect your attitude and is a quick way 
to destroy unity between you and your leadership. A way to judge ourselves to see if we genuinely believe in the concept of we instead of me is to take the Barak test. Prior to Barak going into battle in Judges 4, he is told that the Lord would be with him and that he would be victorious. But he is also told that he will not get credit for the victory. Barak knew that he wouldn't be recognized for his efforts, and he still chose to fight anyhow, and is now forever memorialized as a hero of faith in Hebrews 11. As a leader, we need to periodically check our motives and ask ourselves, would we be willing to work and serve without the possibility of receiving credit or recognition? The third and final point on being a leader without an official role is this. Practice contentment in the present while preparing for the future. Practice contentment in the present while preparing for the future. Don't be so quick to escape a support role that you fail to evolve while you're in it. However, while serving in your current capacity, you must begin qualifying yourself for future ministry. I remember hearing Brother Raymond Woodward speak at a minister's conference about his time spent in a support role, and he shared how much of what he preaches today was born out of that time of preparation. And likewise, even though Brother Huntley spent many years evangelizing before coming to Raleigh. He knew that his ultimate calling was to one day pastor. And whenever he was invited to a new church as an evangelist, he would visit the study of that pastor and take inventory of the books that they were reading and the notes they were taking. He learned the importance of prospering where he was while preparing himself for who God was calling him to be. This is the mindset that I adopted in the two years that we spent assisting the Moors. During our transition, I was intentional in my preparation through study, through prayer. And now as youth pastor, the lessons that I am teaching eight months in are lessons that God deposited into my spirit one or two years before we were even in that position. And surely taking the reins after a long-term leader like Brother Moore would not have gone nearly as smooth had I not been prepared. Our calling no matter how great, does not excuse us from preparation. Remember this, you will not reach your level of expectation, you will reach your level of preparedness. We must also understand that anointing is no substitute for preparedness. I love apologist Matthew Green's comments on the wilderness temptation of Jesus concerning the it is written statements. He says the following, notice the quotations come from the book of Deuteronomy, which Jesus would have known from his childhood. They suggest that Jesus had been studying the book of Deuteronomy and the spirit, which came so powerfully on him at his baptism, was able to take the scriptures that he had learned and use them in spiritual warfare. The point he's making is a, is a powerful one. Jesus, as a man, did not solely rely on his baptism to get him through the wilderness, but he leaned on the scriptures that he had studied prior to being there. It required both the word and the spirit to make it through the wilderness. Now, I'm not comparing uh, working in youth ministry to being trapped in a wilderness, and hopefully none of you uh, feel that way tonight. But as ministers, we need to be led by the Spirit. But being Spirit-led is no excuse for being poorly prepared. And when it comes to the wilderness, it was the Spirit that led Jesus to it, but it was time spent in the Word that got him through it. It takes both the Spirit and truth, and we need to have a well-balanced ministry. We cannot afford to be lazy in our preparation, especially in a culture where high school teachers are preparing uh, to push perverse personal agendas on our youth and college professors are preparing lectures that claim that the Bible is nothing more than a book of unreliable history. If they are prepared, we must be all the more. Back in August of 2005, 
Hurricane Katrina hit the city of New Orleans and caused catastrophic damage. Over uh, 2,000 people lost their lives. Over a million uh, people were left homeless. It was one of the deadliest and most costly natural disasters in American history. But here's the thing, in large part, it could have been avoided. Uh, in 1965, a law was passed that was intended to fix the levee system that needed to be improved in order to prevent New Orleans from flooding. And this work was to be finished by 1978. And 40 years later, when Katrina hit, 40% of that work had yet to be completed. And commenting on Katrina and its uh, possible prevention, one of Louisiana's politicians, and I think it was uh, James Carville, he was one of the aides to President Clinton, he had this to say, a hurricane is an act of God, but failure to prepare, well, that's an act of sin. And that's pretty good preaching coming from a politician. We absolutely must make personal preparation a priority. And in doing so, we will find that we are able to be a blessing in our current role while at the same time develop ourselves for future positions. So to summarize and to leave you with a few takeaways on how to lead without an official position. First off, you grow the most when you serve the most. If you are not the leader in charge, the best way for you to grow is to serve the leader that is. If you want to lead over others, you must first serve under others. Understand that you serve the best not by pointing out problems to your leadership, but by offering them solutions. Serving faithfully includes guarding yourself against becoming an outlet where other people can criticize the current leader. Secondly, learn the power of we instead of me. It's okay to chase after personal dreams, but never sacrifice the goal of the church for your, uh, your individual desires. And you may think that you have a better idea on how things should operate, but it is better to be right in relationship than to be right on an issue. Beware of the three enemies of unity, selfishness, personal agendas, and the need for recognition. Understand that you're not in this by yourself or for yourself. And lastly, practice contentment in the present while preparing for the future. Don't be so quick to escape a support role that you fail to evolve while you're in it. And how, however, uh, while serving in your current capacity, you must begin qualifying yourself for future ministry. You will not reach your level of expectation. You will reach your level of preparedness. Thank you so much for your time this evening. I hope I was able to be a blessing to someone listening. And at this time, I will turn it back over to Brother Ranking for some question and answers. Thanks so much, Brother Caleb. That was a fabulous, fabulous content in such a critical, such a critical uh, subject for many who are in support roles and probably feeling called to maybe be that lead youth pastor and can often struggle with the timing and with patience. And those were some great practical tips of how to apply their life and to still be preparing for what God has for them in the future. Um, as you look back at the transition that's happened for you over the last six to eight months, maybe a little bit longer than that, what do you think? Um, what do you think is the number one thing that has helped you uh, during that trans transition? As far as from my perspective, it looks like it's been smooth and fantastic. And uh, what yeah. do you think is the number one th thing that's helped you, uh, you and the Moors during that during that time of transition? So uh, probably the greatest thing is that uh, brother and sister Moore are still here in Raleigh. They have moved into that administration uh, position, and so. Uh, you know, they are my first line of contact, you know, for just about any, any questions that I have or that, that arise. And of course, if it's something that's important, uh, it goes straight to pastor. But, man, I, I lean on them uh, strongly. And uh, that's probably been the best thing is that they, they haven't gone anywhere. 
and that, uh, you know, like I said, they were my youth pastor. And, uh, and so I rely uh, heavily, heavily on them. And that's probably the greatest thing is, is he's still here and uh, I'm able to get direction from him uh, any, any time that I need uh, any, you know, any questions answered. That's wonderful that you have that resource of them with their 15 years of history and that church culture and the fact that you grew up there and that you still have them there as a resource. Um, moving, moving on to those that you lead within the youth group. No doubt there were some who were 12 or 13 and came into the youth group. They were young and they, they were for several years probably were led by the Moors. And then there was a transition and now midstream of these, uh, you know, junior hires or senior hires. And now they're changing youth pastor in the middle. Uh, parents are having different, uh, you, you might lead with a slightly different style than the Moors did. Have you found any, any struggles or uh, any hiccups there? And how have you handled those kind of interactions maybe where parents are trying to learn how to work with you guys and that sort of thing? Sure. Well, well the great thing is uh, my wife and I served as the uh, preteen uh, youth leaders for four or five years. So a lot of the kids, a lot of the students that are in our youth ministry now, you know, we had them for two years. And so um, as far as, you know, the, the relationship with the parents and the students, we took those two years of the transition time, our transition was about two years to youth pastor, and we tried to build relationship uh, with the parents. We tried to build relationship with the students, and uh, probably most importantly, we uh, built relationship with the staff members. The staff members uh, had worked with the Moors for some of these. Uh, some of them had worked, you know, before the Moors uh, had come in 15 years ago. So, uh, you know, we did a team building exercise. We did uh, the escape room where, you know, we go in as a team, and, and uh, you have to work together to escape. And then uh, that was a, a great team building exercise. But, you know, the main thing was just building relationships, uh, getting to know the parents, getting to know the students, spending one on one time with the students. And uh, we had a, a great uh, transition as far as all that went. That's fabulous. I think that's a good point for even seasoned youth pastors to understand that if they have people on their team to activate them uh, into those support roles. So that, you know, should they ever transition out, that there's somebody on the team that it just makes sense. This person is going to uh, that this person is going to take over uh, and you know fill those roles. Now, um, you know, surely, surely, if if we're if we're honest, whether moments, could you be honest with you with us? And uh, again, this isn't anything personal, but do you ever feel like there was moments you were you're maybe frustrated of the timing, or how, how did you deal with those personal frustrations that you might have had? And uh, you know, if you don't mind, be a little transparent with us here on on maybe some of those things that may have, uh, you know, roadblocks or things that you just thought this isn't happening. Uh, maybe some honest conversations you had to have with leaders in your life. Sure. Uh, you know, like I said at the beginning, anytime that there is opportunity for growth, there's going to be opportunity to grow frustration, uh, to, to grow frustrated. And uh, looking back times that there was frustration uh, was when that, you know, I failed to communicate the way that I should have, you know, I'm an introvert. I don't know always communicate as well as I should, or at least that's what my wife tells me. And uh, I'm learning and I'm growing and hopefully making strides. But, you know, some of it, you know, the times of frustration was lack of communication on my part and also having unrealistic expectations placed on myself that I placed on myself. Uh, for instance, um, you know, I would look at the relationship that Brother Moore had with the youth staff. And, you know, I, I thought that was great. And, and, uh, and even his relationship with the pastor. But I had to realize that, hey, that took 15 years for him to grow and to develop. And, uh, you know, 
coming in, I have to understand that I have to grow trust with these youth staff. You know, I have to grow uh, trust with the pastor and, um, you know, I have to realize that I'm not going to get there overnight. So anytime there was frustration, it was, you know, due to lack of communication or, or just unrealistic expectation that I, I placed on myself. And uh, those are, you know, really when you get frustrated, what you have to do is just, you know, get a fresh perspective, take a step back and understand that this is not about you. This is not about, you know, your personal agenda. This is about the vision of your pastor for the church, the vision of, vision of your pastor for the youth group. And so when you do get frustrated, you know, just take a step back and fresh perspective always helps. Absolutely, man. That's a fabulous answer. That's that's great information. Just just before we uh, just before we sign off here on the question and answer portion, what are um, what are some great um, activities or events that you feel your kids are really your students, your young people are really engaging in right now uh, within your youth group? Something that maybe you just share. This is kind of off topic here, but just as we close, what is it like your favorite thing that your young people are involved in in your church youth group? Sure. Yeah. Right now uh, we have uh, what we call the Edison Project. It's about uh, we have we try to have one once a month. And uh, what we do is, you know, we get together. We have a bonfire. Usually it's at a staff member's house and pastors even uh, hosted one. And we have, you know, devotion. We have food. We have a time of worship. And we just let the students hang out. And uh, what the, the purpose of the Edison Project is to kind of bridge the gap between the P7 clubs at school and church services. So, you know, with a laid back atmosphere, we feel like it's a perfect time for, you know, unchurched youth to make connections with our students. And we get them from the school setting to a home setting with one of our uh, staff members, or like I said, the pastor. And then eventually, you know, the goal is to get them to come to church or to midweek study. And we've seen tremendous growth from this. We saw probably 30, uh, 30 to 40 guests at the Edison Project last year alone. And out of those, we had a great number come to midweek service and a, and a great number to Sunday morning and Sunday night. And even particularly one lady that started, one girl that started at our P7, uh, one of our P7 clubs, uh, she's doing great. Holy Ghost field, baptized in Jesus name, living for the Lord. And so we've seen great, great growth out of that. And that's incredible. That's great that you, uh, you thought of a way to get kids connected. They're already working with them at their school and you're wanting to transition them to church. And that's a great um, entry point for them to be at homes and a relaxed atmosphere. Thanks so much, Caleb, for sharing that. And thanks again for your insights tonight and for taking time for question and answer and for helping us with this valuable resource. We're going to turn the remainder of this call over to our director of promotion, Brother Michael Thomas, as he gives us a few announcements and closes this call out in prayer. Thanks once again, Brother Douglas. We appreciate you. Thank you, Brother Ranking. I appreciate you. And I appreciate Brother Douglas taking some time out to talk to us about how we can be leaders, even though we may not have an official position. I want to encourage all of you that are listening to this training call right now to please help us by being sure to share this training call resource with your youth ministry friends and help us get the word out about this training call that takes place each and every month. Go ahead and mark your calendars for our next month's youth ministry training call that will be held on July 3rd. We're looking forward to that. Also, just a reminder that registration is still open for the youth ministry training event that will be taking place here in St. Louis on August 2nd and 3rd of this year. You can go to upciyouthministry.com and click on the youth ministry training event banner for more information and to register for that event. Let's go ahead and conclude this call with prayer at this time. Lord, I thank you for allowing us all the honor to serve in youth ministry. 
And I thank you for calling all of us to be servant leaders to our students. Lord, we thank you for every youth worker who took time out to be on this call tonight to glean more knowledge and how to be better leaders in youth ministry and to minister to young people. I pray, Lord, that you would continually bless these youth workers that are on this call and will listen in on the podcast later on. I pray that you would bless and grace them as they disciple, lead, and love their students. We ask all this, we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining tonight's call that has been sponsored by your generous, generous giving to She's for Christ. I pray the Lord blesses you. Have a great night. You have been listening to the Youth Ministry Training Call. For other great youth resources, be sure to check out thecommunity.com. Thank you for joining us and have a great night.